Today, our scripture lesson comes to us from Luke 2, verses 41 through 52. Um, If you're following along in your pew Bible, you'll find that on page 934. Listen for the word. Now, every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Raise your hand if you've seen the movie Home Alone. Anyone here? This passage has always reminded me just a little bit of that scene from Home Alone where the whole McAllister family, they're preparing for this big trip to France, they pile into vans, they head to the airport, the plane takes off and they're in the air and suddenly his mother realizes that they have left Kevin at home. And I imagine Mary's face being just a little bit like Catherine O'Hara's as they realize that they've left their youngest child back in Chicago. But rather than fighting off burglars, we see Jesus make quite a studious and, and holy use of his time. He's spending time with priests and asking questions and even teaching them. He wasn't ready for the Passover festival to end. And so he stuck around. And in many ways, I think that we ourselves are sort of in the in-between times, much like Mary and Joseph were. The school year has ended. The church has been going through staffing transitions. Summer is beginning. People are prepping for vacations, summer camps and mission trips and vacations and, and time with friends and family. All of those things are gearing up. And in some ways, hopefully, it might feel like things are slowing down just a bit. We've celebrated Christmas and Easter and Pentecost, and now we arrive at what the church refers to as ordinary time. We're in this ordinary in-between time. And that's exactly where Mary and Joseph are in this passage, too. They've gone on their yearly trip to Jerusalem to to celebrate the Passover with people from all over. And now that celebration, that time together has come to an end and they've packed up and their giant caravan of friends and family and people from their part of the world 
has started to head home. And the temple is no longer quite so crowded. Jerusalem is no longer quite so crowded. It was the busiest time of the year. There had been so much preparation. And now that time has passed. And things are quiet and almost as they were before. They're back to being more ordinary. And there's so much depth in this story that we read. So many points of view from which we might enter in. And the parents, when they realize that their child is nowhere to be found, their frustration, their worry, their irritation throughout the one-day trip back and the three-day search, Jesus, in those four days, he's able to live alongside the teachers of the law, the people who he wants to be like. He spent these precious moments with teachers when they're not distracted by other people, by all of the crowds, by all of the things that must be done for the Passover celebration. And he has these precious moments of engaging and, and listening with the elders. And he's just 12 years old. I think we can all relate to at least one of these perspectives in this story. Luke has left so much of Jesus' life to be imagined. In just a few verses prior, Jesus is only eight days old. He's just a little baby being presented to the temple by his parents. And then here we are, just a short time later, and he's 12 all of a sudden. And the next time that we hear of Jesus, he's nearly 30. So we get two short sentences to account for the years between those three points in his life. We hear the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Change can be hard. <laughs> it can be messy. And part of me wonders if that is in part why the only part of Jesus' adolescence the writer chooses to share is this one story. He was also fully human after all. I'm not sure how many people would protest certain details of their adolescence being omitted and instead neatly summed up as a time in which one grew in strength and wisdom and years and divine and human favor. But such a blatant omission does beg the question of Luke, why? The intention may be to help readers focus on the fully divine parts of Jesus rather than the fully human. Such brilliance and spiritual understanding and attention for such great thinkers at such a young age can only mean that he's destined for greatness. However, in sharing this moment, I think the writer actually, perhaps unintentionally or perhaps intentionally, points to the humanity of Jesus. I wonder if you might be able to recall a time in your 12th year of life in which you were unaware how your actions affected those around you. A moment in which you may have worried your parents. Though Jesus' interpretation and understanding of the law is extraordinary, his reaction to his parents' worry and concern seems pretty ordinary to me, pretty human. We see the complexity of who Jesus is, fully human, fully divine, even at the age of 12. 
And so when Mary and Joseph realize that their son has been left behind, they're, they're traveling with friends and family from their religious community back to Nazareth. They were with people that they trusted, people who had promised to love their child as their own, to care for and raise up Jesus. So I just want to point out, they weren't bad parents for realizing that Jesus wasn't there. They had trusted that Jesus had simply joined others in the crowd perhaps playing with other children or family, and that the community was caring for him. God doesn't wish for us to encounter the messiness of life alone, the messiness of life and growth and faith. Jesus had a family and a community that was so supportive of him. And just as we as a congregation take vows to raise up baptized children in the church, Jesus had parents who dedicated him to God from the very beginning, who knew what he was made for. They saw their child not only as their own, but contributors to, to the larger story of faith in service to the world. And it's here that we see these parents, Mary and Joseph, not viewing the faith community from the viewpoint of consumers, but contributors. Raising up their child to understand his calling and value and, and making the world look just a little bit more like the kingdom of God. Now, because 30 years of life are summed up in just these stories and these short little tidbits about growth, we may be tempted to assume that the years in between were unremarkable, but I, I don't think that's the case. I think those times were indeed remarkable, that those times Jesus was loved by not just his parents, but by other adults who were committed to listening and teaching and learning from him. There was this sense of community and shared responsibility, and, and yet the story does not paint such a community as perfect but as occasionally messy with miscommunications, disappointments, learning and change. And even in the midst of all of that, the good and the bad, Jesus still grows in wisdom and divine and human favor. None of us are able to see ourselves or those that we love with perfect clarity. But when we have a community surrounding us, encouraging us in our life of faith, we, we gain a wider perspective as to where our gifts lie and what we're capable of accomplishing. And sometimes it's in those relationships that others are able to point out things in us that our parents may not have seen. We're able to point out things in children in our community that they may not know that they're capable of. There's so much that we don't know in this story. A formative 30 years of details we'll never know. And yet we know that in those unremarkable times that God was still at work, that holy work was still being done. We know that there is holiness in the in-between times. And sometimes it's not until we reach a major transition that we begin to recognize the importance of those times, that we begin to look back and sort out just how we ended up in the place we are right now what people and events and experiences impacted the way that we look at the world and the way we look at God. Sometimes it isn't the big life changes that are the most meaningful, but the in-between times that carry us there. 
in between times in which God reveals who we are and how we fit into this larger picture. So often we hear others say how quickly life has passed, time has passed, how we wish we would have savored those now obviously sacred moments. Those days with someone we loved, when family seemed a little less messy, when the kids were young, when our health was better, when there was security, when we didn't worry so much. And I wonder what would happen if we reminded ourselves and we reminded each other just a little bit more often to stop and think about how holy those seemingly insignificant moments might be. Rather than making big New Year's resolutions or marking the middle of the year and the end of the school year and the beginning of summer as the time in which things will be suddenly different, that we view our, our lives through a lens in which we might look at each day, each moment as holy, as moments in which we might grow closer to God. I wonder what would happen if we committed to reflecting on how we got here, who shaped us, who influenced us, who pointed out the gifts within us that we could not see for ourselves. And think about how God was present in those times. How God was present even in the times in which God felt far away, when decisions we made seemed insignificant, but suddenly they've made such a difference in the trajectory of our lives. We're in some in-between times right now. We've, we've celebrated Christmas and then Easter and Pentecost, and as I mentioned, we're, we're in the ordinary time. And my question for us is, how are we going to use that? Who needs to hear about the potential that you see in them? Who has pointed out the gifts in you? Do they know how meaningful it was? How can you best use the gifts that you've been given, the influence you've been given? How can you approach this life not as your own, but as a piece of a story that is so much bigger and far-reaching? And I think it begs the question, are we consuming our lives or are we using them? Are we using them to glorify the kingdom and make this world a better place? To God be the glory. Amen. Let us now bow our heads in prayer. O oh God, the heavens declare your glory and the firmament shows forth the work of your hands. The sun, the moon, the seas, the dry lands, the plants that enrich the earth, the creatures that swim and fly and run, all these are gifts of your creation. Although they have no words or language, their sound goes out to all the lands and their messages to the ends of the earth. We offer our prayers for the earth and recommit ourselves to honor and protect it. May we not trouble the earth's life or waste its resources or abuse its beauty. We know that for you, O God, all life is like an ocean. All is flowing and blending and that when we withhold any measure of love from anything in your universe, 
we withhold that same measure of love from you. Lord God, as we pray, we bring our sisters and brothers, strangers and neighbors into your presence. We pray for Margot and the Selwyn youth and advisors as they work at ASP. We, we rejoice with those who rejoice today, those who have found love, those who celebrate graduations, those who have been healed of disease, especially COVID, those who look forward to marriage or the birth of children, those who have meaningful work and happy families, those who have safe and happy homes, those who worship you in freedom and the beauty of holiness. And we weep with those who weep today, those who are sick in their bodies, their minds and their spirits, those who have lost beloved sons and daughters and fathers and mothers to gun violence, those who have lost jobs or who cannot find meaningful work and struggle for ways to use their gifts, those who flee with their, from their lands and homes, seeking refuge and the strength and grace of a new community. Be close to all who suffer this day, O God, and even in the midst of suffering, we offer the gratitude that is in our hearts. Gratitude for our lives, for our church community, for the freedom of worship, for the food and shelter and friendship that sustain us each day. By your Holy Spirit, hold the church in unity and keep it faithful to your word so that we may be one with Christ in faith and love and service now and forever. We pray these things in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We are called to hold the gifts we have been given with hands open, ready to share. We should not hoard nor hold tightly to what we own because we do not own so much as borrow it for a time. Let us give from a place of abundant love and mindful care, knowing that with God, there is more than enough.
served the wine and the bread and the children of earth. How beautiful the feet that walked the long dusty roads and the hill to the cross. How
join me in the prayer of dedication? It's printed in your bulletin. Blessed are you, God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have these gifts to share. Accept and use our offerings for your glory and for the service of your kingdom. Amen. go out into this world seeking out the holy and the seemingly ordinary and pointing out the holy in others. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen.